Hello, I'm Leslie Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals, the podcast and YouTube show where we discuss all things from Broadway and beyond. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to join the conversation. Just Talking Musicals, Musicals, with you. Hello, I'm Leslie Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals and the final part of our behind-the-scenes look at the iconic Broadway musical Annie Get Your Gun from 1946. In the last episode, we were in the middle of following a fairly disastrous run of bad luck where the production team for this show about one of the late 19th century's legendary sharpshooters, Annie Oakley, had been dodging quite a fair few bullets of their own in the lead-up to opening night on Broadway and the following production of a film. First of all, they realised that not only did the orchestral score need to be rewritten, but they had to bring in leading orchestrator Robert Russell Bennett to rewrite it all at the very last minute when they were about to open in New Haven for pre-Broadway tryouts. Then, a few days before they were due to open at the Imperial Theatre on Broadway, a girder buckled up in the roof above the stage and a wall of scenery came tumbling down, allegedly narrowly missing Richard Rogers, who was only saved from injury by a quick-minded stagehand. Then, three years later, in 1949, after running successfully on Broadway in the West End and a national tour, MGM bought the screen rights at a record price of $700,000, with Hollywood golden girl Judy Garland set to play Annie Oakley. When filming got started, they were beset by yet more glitches when the film's leading man, Howard Keel, fell off his horse and broke his leg during filming. After recording all her songs and filming for two months, Judy Garland had never been overconfident of her role in the film and had reportedly become disenchanted with the film's director Busby Barclay's brusque manner. She started turning up on set late, saying she was ill and eventually was suspended from the set for good. And finally, Busby Barclay himself was fired by the film's producer Arthur Freed, who declared, Buzz had no conception of what the picture was all about. He was shooting the whole thing like a stage play. Everyone would come out of the wings, say their lines, and back away upstage for their exits. This production had so far run up costs nearing $2 million, and Arthur Freed, the producer, now faced the rather daunting prospect of having to start virtually from scratch. But he had seen a young comedienne who was signed up to Paramount at the time and thought she'd be perfect for the part. Her name was Betty Hutton, and she had wanted to play Annie Oakley ever since she saw Ethel Merman playing her on Broadway. And with that one brilliant stroke of luck, she was signed on loan from Paramount to MGM to take over from Judy Garland. Unbelievably, they then lost another fine member of the cast, Frank Morgan, who's best remembered for playing the title role in the 1939 film of The Wizard of Oz, was playing Buffalo Bill. And he died suddenly from a heart attack on the 18th of September. So they brought in Broadway and Hollywood actor Louis Calhoun, who valiantly stepped into the breach to play the part. Finally, the fact that Annie Oakley's younger brothers and sisters all had to be replaced as the original children had all grown too much over the course of the year must have felt like just another day at the office for the film's producer, Arthur Freed. But the new leading lady, Betty Hutton, veritably threw herself into the role of Annie Oakley, and the film, with a cast of over 1,000 extras and some of the most talented technicians Hollywood could buy, was most definitely back on track. And so, a mere 46 days later, the film of Annie Get Your Gun was finally in the can, four and a half days ahead of schedule and just over $61,000 over budget. 
For all its mishaps and dramas, Annie Get Your Gun finally premiered and went on release on the 23rd of May 1950, and this so-called old-fashioned musical went on to become the biggest box office musical success of 1950, eventually grossing over $8 million for Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and it won the Academy Award for Best Music Scoring of a Musical Picture. In 1965, Richard Rodgers, who was then president of the Music Theatre of Lincoln Centre, decided to revive his hit and invited Ethel Merman to come back and play Annie once again, 20 years after she'd taken on the role. And despite talk that she might have been just a little too old to play the young sharpshooter, she went on to recreate her legendary performance in what turned out to be her longest ever 1,147 performance show. And it didn't stop there. Annie has been played on both sides of the Atlantic in the ensuing years, continuing to entertain audiences of all ages and setting Erling Berlin's good old-fashioned score high up in the Broadway Hall of Fame. In 1949, dancing legend Ginger Rogers was reportedly desperate to play the part in the MGM film, offering to work for just one dollar to make it legal. But Louis B. Mayer turned her down without a second glance, saying she could never be as rambunctious as Annie Oakley needed to be. Interestingly, in recent years, Annie Get Your Gun has ranked in the top five shows licensed every year by the Rogers and Hammerstein organisation, along with Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, South Pacific and The King and I. And the New York Public Library has more than 100 programmes for different performances of the show in the USA in its official collection. In recent years, this musical has been revived on Broadway and in the West End. In 1986, London was treated to a very unexpected Annie in the form of pop singer Susie Quattro, fulfilling a lifetime ambition to star in a musical. And just a few years later, in 1999, Bernadette Peters and Tom Wopat rolled up to the Marquee Theatre on Broadway and notched up a mighty 1,045 performances and a swathe of major awards, including a Grammy and Tony's for Best Leading Actress in a Musical and Best Revival of a Musical. And they kept on winning them when country singer Reba McIntyre threw her hat into the ring after Peters' departure and won Special Drama Desk and Theatre World Awards in 2001. Quite a feat for a musical that suffered so many ups and downs on its path to success, and a testament to all the people who doggedly refused to believe they were beat. When it opened at the Imperial Theatre on Broadway in 1946, it set an all-time record for Oscar Hammerstein, who had no less than five shows that he'd written all running on Broadway at the same time. A record, I believe, that is yet to be surpassed, earning him the title Broadway's one-man showbiz dynasty. And as for the man who wasn't sure if he should take on the role of writing the music, Irving Berlin's score became an enormous commercial success, generating no less than nine song standards, setting a record that neither he nor anyone else had ever achieved in one Broadway show. In 1999, Clive Barnes wrote in the New York Post, Berlin's greatest achievement in theatre should carry Annie Get Your Gun happily into the next century and a bit beyond. It will always be a musical for the ages and one of Broadway's enduring triumphs. Right, that's it for this episode. I'm Leslie Ann Knight. You can find earlier episodes and actually see me talking on our Just Talking Musicals YouTube channel and we'd love it if you subscribe and follow along with the conversation on social media as well. Just talking musicals, musicals with you.